Today's secret ingredient is... Hello, hello, and welcome to What's in the Brew. I was gonna crack my beer open, but the fucking thing <laughs> refused to open three times when I started recording, so I had to stop everything, uh, wash the top of the bottle off, you know, dry my hands, dry the bottle, finally get this thing cracked open. So I'm sorry you won't hear the, the cracking open of my 40 right now, but uh, <laughs> welcome to What's in the Brew. I believe this is the third one? I believe this is our third one. <sighs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Normally, I would have gotten something like a few tall cans of some IPAs or something like very obscure, like an obscure beer brand for what's on the brew, but did not have time today as I was getting off work. I am recording this um, the day before it comes out. Uh, I'm recording on August 4th, so it's Thursday. It'll be coming up Friday <laughs> as you guys are hearing it, August 5th. Uh, and this time around, I want to talk about Dragon Quest for a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to take up too much of your time. This is just me talking about some observations I've made uh, about mainly the people I've been watching the more recent anime series. Oh, uh, what do you mean more recent anime series? For those who don't know, and for those who don't know about Dragon Quest The uh, Adventures of Die, first of all, if you follow the podcast, you which you probably do because you're listening to this too, uh, you should already know what Dragon Quest The Adventure of Die is. I keep telling people to watch it. Uh, AKA Dragon Quest Die for short is a manga series that originally came out. Ooh, excuse me. That beer hit me real hard from that first sip. <laughs> uh, bubbly. October 23rd, 1989. It was written by uh, Riku Sanjo and illustrated by Koji Inada. Uh, and it went on to be serialized through Weekly Shonen Jump until December 9th, 1996. So it was a, it was in there for a while. That's about, what, seven years? Just about seven years. And with uh, 37 volumes total, uh, I don't think the original manga ever released in an English print, but they have done like these special re-releases of the manga recently. I believe they started in Japan when the new anime television series came out in 2020. And they've already wrapped up releasing those volumes and they've more so have been releasing those volumes now in America as of, I believe it started in March of this year. So, uh, they release a volume every other month and they have them in saga. So in part, so it's like a series of chapters and it's five volumes each. So the covers connect. So, uh, the first part is called the disciples of Avon, Avon, <laughs> God, uh, I'm all over the place today. The disciples of Avon. And uh, it's five books, so they're gonna have a part one through five. So each of the covers like connect to each other to make this cool little, you know, big form cover art representing the first arc of the story. Wow! I like made sure, like, I hope no sirens come by as I'm recording and that's what immediately happens. But yeah, they have that coming out. So it's a volume every other month. Uh, you can order the books off of Amazon. You can probably order them from other places too. So, so far volumes one through three have an official English release now which means we're probably going to get 25 volumes total. Uh, I believe it's, it's split into five arcs, five volumes apiece. So we're going to have a couple of years before we get the whole thing in an official English print, but it's going to be fun collecting. They're fun covers. They're cool to look at. There's some big books because, you know, the original release is 37 volumes 
and this is going to be 25 volumes so they're packing more chapters in per volume but anywho i'm getting off topic uh, i love talking about all that good stuff but there was an original anime film series that came out back in uh, July 1991. There were three films. They were about four, 30 to 40 minutes each. Then there was an anime television series that also came out around that time. Yeah, uh, in October of 1991. And it had 46 episodes. So it didn't finish the story. And I believe there were uh, a few behind the scenes reasons as to why it didn't finish. I don't think it was due to bad ratings. The series is actually pretty popular. Uh, at least in Japan. The anime film series and the original anime television series were both directed by, uh, what is this name? Nobutaka Nishi Nishizawa. So, uh, shoutouts to him for putting uh, Dragon Quest die out in the original animation form. And, um, so years and years later, there's also some side mangas that came out, but years and years later, in 2020, so that is almost two decades later, about 18... Almost 18 years later, uh, Dragon Quest Die 2020 premiered October 3rd. So if they imagine if they released it 18 years to the day of when the original one like ended, like <laughs> if it came out like maybe like a week earlier, like September 24th, that would have been kind of cool. But anyhow, so that is currently still ongoing. It t currently has. 88 episodes as of this recording uh as the time you guys watch it a new episode will be coming out tonight at midnight so we'll be on episode 89 the series is set to end in just a few more episodes i believe they said they are going to hit episode 100 if they didn't specifically say episode 100 they said it's ending around fall and if they keep up their current pace it'll end around that point and that ideally would end it on episode 100 because uh I've read the manga, so I I'm like been like following the pacing of the the anime series uh, very closely, and I'm like, yeah, they can they can round it out at episode 100, definitely, especially from where they are right now. So hop on, boys! It's it's a good time. It's a good time. But uh, I'm more so going to be talking about the the 2020 uh, anime television series because that's when I first got into Dragon Quest Die. The first time I heard about Die was in the game Jump Force. And I was surprised I never really heard about him. Maybe it's because he was mainly only popular in Japan. I don't think the Dragon Quest Dice uh, series had like a big, big presence in the West. I could be totally wrong, but I haven't heard a lot of people, even like people who are like exclusively like old school anime and manga fans talk about Die that much. Uh, so, I, I could be wrong, but I think uh, this is what put it on the map, too, in terms of a Amer uh, Western American audience. Uh, but uh, Jump Force had Dai as a character, and I had never heard of him. I was like, huh, from a Dragon Quest manga, huh? So I didn't think too much of it just because I hadn't heard much about it. I thought maybe it was like this short kind of promotional special manga to go along with the Dragon Quest games, and it wasn't like a super long story. So when I heard about the 2020 anime, I thought it was going to be like, you know, something short, maybe like something 13 to 26 episodes and it just, you know, be a remake of the old thing because I didn't know the old thing ended. Turns out this is a full on story. I was like, oh, so are we getting like 50 episodes? I start reading the manga. I'm like, oh, dude, we're definitely getting 100 episodes. And now it's one of my favorite series of all time. It's definitely in the top five now. Love it, love it, love it to death. 
Um, but the reason I want to talk about it is there's a lot of misconceptions, I feel like, uh, when it comes to people interpreting, like, stuff that happens in the story, whether it is about characters, whether it's about overall themes and the storyline, things of that nature, because I see a lot of people complaining, not complaining about the story itself. If you have complaints about the pacing, especially for the anime, I get it. It's because the last portion of the manga, like the last two, three fights specifically, take place several, several chapters. This is a lot of chapters they covered just for those last three fights. And I feel like in an anime sense, they could have made that a lot shorter because there is a lot of action involved in those fights. And it does feel like they do have a lot more padding when it comes to dialogue. It doesn't bother me too much. I don't think it's that bad. It's like classic kind of shonen storytelling, shonen setup. But also, I can see why people are like, oh, come on, let's get to it. But they I, I, they want to hit that episode 100. That's why they're doing it. It's going to be worth the wait, though, guys. Uh, the, the next fight we're getting is going to be epic. And then the, the last fight we're getting, woo, I, I think it's definitely worth it. It's it's pretty great. The last fight in Dragon Quest Die is awesome. But uh, those, those are actually, I think those are valid complaints, concerns, certain stuff with the animation. Uh, some story beats, you know, here and there. It's not perfect. Nothing's perfect, of course. But when it comes to overall themes and character motivations, I think a lot of people are missing the point, especially when it comes to the complaints they have. So all introductions aside, I just want to talk about a few things I've seen that I want to kind of like lay out there and explain, uh, from my point of view at least, what is actually going on with these scenes and these characters, because context definitely matters. And uh, the first thing I want to talk about is uh, having to do with the character Mem. Mom. Memu. <laughs> uh, I'm going to call her Mem or Mom. Uh, it's kind of hard to pronounce in English for me, I think. <laughs> but yeah, Mem, she is the female character of the group. She is the martial artist. She used to be a warrior priest. Uh, Mem. I think actually goes through the most kind of like class evolution in the series, which I think is really cool. Uh, I call Mam what Sakura should have been because I do think Sakura could have been such a great character. She had so much potential, but what happened is Kishimoto lacked the skill to properly write her as a female protagonist, where I feel like here in Dragon Quest Die, Mam is an example of that kind of character. She has a kind heart. She can be tough and aggressive. She can throw hands. That kind of character. The pink hair even, you know? So Mam's evolution is really cool because Mam, uh, her like soul, you know, her heart represents love because she is a caring person though she she can be very tough, very strong-headed, very uh, blunt with things she says to you. But she does it because she cares. She cares about the kids in her village when they first meet her and she has, you know, the magic cap gun she got from Avon because she can't use attack spells, but she can use healing spells, the whole warrior priestess ideal. And then it gets to the point in the story where she uh, she feels weak, or she feels like she's falling to the wayside in comparison to, you know, die especially, pop, uh, Hunkel's come back officially. He's more of like a, the main character, part of the main character crew. And she wants to find something she's she can do to really benefit the team. So she wants to train and become a martial artist, and she does another class change, and it's really cool, it's really authentic to the Dragon Quest-like brand of changing jobs and stuff like that, and then she comes back later. So she leaves around the end of uh, the first uh, fourth of the story, the first 25 episodes, uh, near the end of that, I believe, and then 
a little after the start of the second uh, quarter of it, she returns as the martial artist and rejoins the party. And her impact is just very dynamic. Uh, she still shows to be a great uh, female lead character. Uh, she has her moments, her cool fights, and I love it. I, I fucking loved her fight against uh, Albinus. It was it was fucking great. Uh, but then it gets to this, and everyone was loving Ma'am too, up until this point. This is the buildup. This is me building up Ma'am as a character to you guys if you haven't seen the series and enjoy it. Also, spoilers. There's going to be plenty of spoilers. That's why I say read or watch it. Either or is good. Uh, the, the anime does a pretty good job uh, adapting... The manga there are a few little differences here and there from what i've seen i'd have to go back and read a bit more from the beginning too again just to double check but it's a pretty good adaptation uh, the 2020 anime at least i haven't watched the original one back from uh 91 but it gets to this point where after mom fights albinus uh she runs over to you know to pop pops finishing his fight with sigma he beats sigma because pops my boy pop is goaded <laughs> uh Pop has a, a huge crush on Mom, and it's something that is heavily, like, shown throughout the series, uh, especially early in. He, like, really, really likes her. Everyone knows he likes Mom, except for Mom. <laughs> she seems to be the only one oblivious to it, and there's sort of, like, this love triangle going on. So, Pop has this great character moment where they're trying to activate the, the Kaglimmer spell. Uh like this ultimate light spell and they each need to activate you know that power of their heart so each one of them represents something different like you know mom's is love leona's is uh i believe courage not courage not courage um leader i forget what it is i think it's leadership something like that uh Hunkles is like being like a warrior you know chivalry essentially and they think dies is courage and in this old book that avon had the fifth one's like, the, the text is uh, kind of smeared, so they can't read it, but they're like, that's what Pop has to be, and Pop, for some reason, can't make his uh, his little stone from Avon glow. And so, he doesn't tell anyone, he's regretting it, and that's because he hasn't fully revealed his feelings from Mom to, you know, push himself forward as a person and as a man. So, another character that, it's this whole thing, but Pop finally reveals that, you know, out loud, he says it to her that he loves mom. And so it activates his uh, little gem to glow, the green glow. So Pop was courage all along and Dai was purity. And we'll talk about Dai's too, because I think people are getting a lot of Dai's character mixed up too. And it always relates back to the idea of purity for Dai. So we'll talk about that in a minute. This is all to say Pop manned up and had this whole character arc, not just with like slowly revealing himself to be in love with mom, but growing from this coward to this hero, which is the perfect representation of courage for Pop and why he represents that so heavily. And he becomes a sage due to that because he's fully awakened to his power. It's just great character development. So people love that part and people love the fact that Pop, you know, again, says it to her face after Sigma because before he's shouting it out to everybody, but now they're one-on-one -on -one talking. He says he loves her. So Mom gives an answer to this. And a lot of people don't like Mom's answer. Uh, and they they started to hate it. I noticed a lot of people started hating on her after this point in the series. And I don't get why for several reasons. So Mom's response pretty much is she does love him, 
but she she can't really define it as romantic love because even though you know like i said she represents love she's never had like a romantic love before she's never really thought in that way she's always trying to you know protect others take care of everyone because she has a big heart but she's never thought what her heart truly desires uh you know like who she is truly in love with which is something she needs to reflect on and she can't really reflect on it right now because you know they're busy in the midst of this final battle with with Vern, and it's just like what's the word she she needs time to sort things out with herself you know which makes sense which is fair they're kind of busy they're kind of in a moment so she says i don't want to get i can't give you an answer straight out right now because it wouldn't be fair to give an answer when i'm so unsure of myself and so after you know this is all said and done she'll be able to freely think about that and then she'll be able to give him a true decision and pop is a little down about it but he fully understands and they move along they have like a little joking moment because pop wants to lighten the mood but you know in the end it all works out he's he's he'll he's willing to wait for that answer now the reason why people are are, are annoyed by this i can see on the surface after pop you know went through all these you know hurdles and climbs to get to where he was to that point and revealing his feelings mom kind of gives him like an answer that isn't an answer so people feel like oh well fuck that's fucked up after he poured his heart out to you and then also mom pop and hunkel are kind of in a love triangle i really wouldn't call it one just because i don't think hunkel has romantic feelings for anyone uh which is shown several times he he because he doesn't feel like that's his path there's there's two characters that are in love with him mom is one of them there's another character who reveals her love but he turns her down and i don't know if it's necessarily because he doesn't like these people or he feels like he doesn't deserve that or he it's just not his path it's just not within his character to have like a romantic interest at least as of the story when it ends at that point in his life because hunkel's still young i believe hunkel's like 18 19 20 something around that age range he's he's the oldest of the five disciples uh so he he's still young he also is still trying to figure his life out and get past this darkness in him but mom's already always kind of had these romantic feelings from for him and it's because of mom's kindness in her heart that hunkel was slowly also able to turn back over to good and that, at least that's one of the big parts to why he could and so people always put them in a love triangle because pop was always kind of jealous of hunkel but at the end of the day they end up still becoming homies and they still care for each other to to a great extent like it shows uh even though they didn't exactly get along it's not like they absolutely hated each other and had this fierce rivalry but pop really couldn't stand his attitude hunkel kind of would underestimate pop as of everyone would but it got to this point where hunkel could see that pop really put in the work to get where he is and that it gets to a point where even hunkel says i would have a tough time defeating pop in a serious fight that's how strong pop got because hunkel used to be kind of like seen as like the second strongest but if you put them in terms of like overall level by the end pop is the second strongest of the main crew uh so it, it's just one of those things but 
that's why it's kind of like this weird pseudo love triangle because mom kind of has a crush on Hunkel, but you can see that pop and mom have like this great chemistry. So people are like, oh, so she's just playing the field. She might choose Hunkel, even though we know Hunkel won't choose her. But what I'm getting at is that the thing that I find weird about it is people being mad about a 15 year old girl. Mom, mom is 15 years old. She has not decided her romantic feelings yet, which is perfectly fucking normal for a 15-year-old girl. It's it's one of those things where it's it's like that makes sense. She's sorting out her feelings. There's a lot of crazy difficult times going on and she can't give you a definitive answer and I think that's perfectly fair of her not to give Pop a definitive answer because yes, it would not be fair to Pop for her to just be forced to choose and maybe it's not the right decision and Pop could get led on, but it's also not fair to her to just pressure her into making a choice. So when people were hating on her, call it, people were like, what a hoe. First of all, this is a fictional character. <laughs> Secondly, you guys are missing the point of the writing. Mom has taken all this time to like put her heart out and on the line for other people to take care of other people to think of other people first, even before herself. So now it's saying she needs to take that time to love herself and take care of herself before she can really make those other decisions. You have to love yourself or you can't love anyone else. That's the whole idea of it. So that's what mom has to do. And I think that kind of went over everyone's head because they were so surface level on that. Pop deserves the girl. And I agree, Pop deserves the girl. But if Mom doesn't want to be with Pop, that's fine. I'm not gonna hate Mom for that. <laughs> like you guys, like you guys gotta understand that these characters aren't obligated to just be together just cause. Again, I'm I'm rooting for Pop. I'm Pop's number one fan. Pop is my nigga. Uh, A1 since day one. Uh, well, not since day one. He used to be a coward, but you know he manned up. His growth has been incredible and I have, I have nothing negative to say about pop's character uh just positive things and yeah I do think he you know he earns a W he deserves a W but again mom is not obligated as a character to just be with pop just because you guys want them to be together mom still needs to figure out her own character arc, and that's also why she ended up fighting Albinez because Albinez was the queen piece for uh, Hadler and she loved Hadler regardless of if she was saying like oh I don't have romantic feelings for him I don't even technically have a gender I'm a chess piece but she clearly did they clearly had like hearts due to Hadler and his uh, convictions and she did care about him and she wanted to have him survive even though he was willing to die on the battlefield in an honorable last battle with die she wanted to do everything she could to keep Hadler safe and mom saw like that was her power you know of truly loving Hatler and she had never really had an experience like that so that's also reflective of her character I'm like you guys are missing a lot of themes and connections here so I don't understand why people were hating on her so much for making like probably a very mature decision for someone their age also again mom is 15 Hunkel is like a grown man <laughs> So no, they shouldn't be together anyway. <laughs> Cause I know there's some people that like ship them. No, <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> you know who's mom's, a mom's age? Pop. <laughs> Pop. 
Pop is my... Yeah, Mom is, is 16. I think Pop is, is 15. My fault, my fault, my fault. Uh, let me double check. Yeah, Pop is, is 15. So he's like a year younger. That's, that's way... <laughs> More, uh, like, okay, yeah, they're within the age. Yeah, Hyokul is 21 years old. No, absolutely fucking not. <laughs> Mom might realize, oh, she just had a crush on the cute older man, older boy. And shout out to Hyunkul for not praying on little girls. <laughs> My nigga. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, Mom hate, not in my house. Sorry about that, y'all. Um, moving along, uh, I want to touch on Dai's character a little bit. Dai is our hero. He is our main character. Uh, and like I said, his uh, he is the representation of purity for the five disciples. They originally thought he was courage because, you know, Dai's the leader. He's, you know, the first one to jump into battle. He's always proving himself. He's the tiny hero. But then it's revealed that Pop is courage. So then they're just like, what's Dai then? And when Dai is fighting Hadler, it's revealed that his is, is purity, it's innocence. You know, Dai is the youngest of the team, even though he's the leader and the strongest. Dai is 12 years old. He's the tiny hero. <laughs> uh, but he's also has this legacy of being the son of a dragon knight, thus making him a dragon knight, uh, half human, half dragon knight being raised on an island by monsters. So he's able to understand things from all sides and accept things from all sides. He has this gentle nature to him. He's so kind and willing to let other people in. But if he has to throw down with you, he has to throw down with you. And then also because he's a Dragonite, he has this sense of pride uh, in terms of battle, which is why when Hadler challenges him to that one-on-one -on -one duel, that last duel that they have, after having this rivalry that's spanned the series so far, and Hadler has taken some L's. <laughs> like, Hadler got beat up by Die in the beginning, like critically injured. He came back, Hunkel like fucking damn near killed him. He came back, got fucked up again, gave up his own like immortality and became like the that superior being, like that super monster just so he could have enough strength to fight die he was willing to put everything on the line to throw away his pride just so he could have that one last fight with die and when it got to that point that point where they first battled where he first was a superior being die damn near lost that fight like like die was lucky to escape alive at that point it was kind of wild so when they do have their last last battle Dai can't help but to respect Hadler at that point. Hadler used to be like a piece of shit. And Hadler's character growth, mwah, immaculate. Just amazing how they just made this villain so honorable at the end when he was so shady at the start. He had cowardly aspects to himself. He was willing to be so underhanded. He was willing to do all these different things to win. And then when he finally lets that all go and just becomes this warrior ready to put it all on the battlefield, it's just like, damn, Hadler, I have to throw you your props for that. That That's incredible. Like, I love that. So Dai can't help but to be like, nah, if he wants a one-on-one -on -one fight, he can get this one-on-one -on -one fight. Nobody interfered. He didn't want anyone to interfere. Even when the chips were down and it looked like he was going to lose, he was like, pop. Do not come over here. I will never forgive you if you step into this fight. 
even though it's kind of a dumb decision, even he can't help but do it. It's just within his nature, that that innocence, that pure ideal of his soul. That's what Dai is as a character. It also fits with him because, you know, not only is that just his personality, how he's grown up, how he's learned to interact with the world, he's also a child, you know? Like I said, he's 12. And all these things are happening at once. He's going through all these different emotions. He thought Avon died at the start. Uh, he has these rage bursts where his dragonic aura awakens. He didn't even know what that was until, like, he clashes with fucking uh oh my god why am i forgetting his name barrett his dad <laughs> the the uh, the dragon knight his father and then he has this whole kind of weird relationship with his dad and then his dad dies and then it's just like he it was still his father like he he goes through so much and he's still able to be himself at his core as he progresses and becomes this hero that everyone can stand beside proudly and have faith in while keeping that same innocence at, at the at the heart of it. So that's just his character. So a lot of people have been shitting on a lot of decisions Dai has made, especially throughout this portion of the story. Ever, pretty much after the Hadler fight, uh, people have been questioning. Because with the Hadler fight, people could understand that. That was such a long-standing rivalry. People could understand why it got to the point where it got to. But then, like, you know, uh, people are like, die you idiot why are you running back to to help pop and mom they said don't come back it's obviously a trap what a dumb decision did it it is a dumb decision i agree with you but the story knows it's not a smart decision it's written like that intentionally because that is dice character that is who he is it would be out of character for him to not make those decisions because he's never developed throughout the story to not make those choices that has always been a part of himself. He's matured. He's become smarter, stronger. He, he's more battle savvy. He has more conviction than he's ever had. Even when he lost to, even when they got stomped by Vern the first time and he lost all that confidence and all those people were like putting that pressure on him to succeed. And he got that confidence back partially due to your boy pop, you know, pop had to give him the speech, but he is that character he progresses but still keeps his traits at his core which is good character writing you want to keep the good core traits at their base or at their at the heart of it all as the character progresses so they're still going to make certain decisions that might not be the best decision but that's still just their character that's how people are in real life people can grow and change and learn and understand things and still make poor decisions at the end of the day just because it's within their nature or because they care too much you know things like that i still make mistakes all the time i'm still me at my core at the end of the day but i've grown and changed a lot from who i was like 16 year old kyle and 28 year old kyle still share like a lot of core traits like a lot of like deeply analyzing stuff a lot of overthinking a lot of you know caring too much and having a big heart which can be a good and a bad thing but i have moved past a lot of traits and aspects of myself even revolving around those core traits that were very 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 like negative you, you get what i'm saying like people grow but people still keep fundamentals of themselves so people want die to just automatically be this great heroic character they want him to be like avon but I think they're also missing a point in the story where Dai is not Avon. Avon was the hero of the world. 
Avon is supposed to be like the 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 hero of a Dragon Quest game, but in Die, it's like this is what that hero is doing after his Dragon Quest game. You know, he's more of like a tutor, a mentor. He's not in the limelight anymore. He's not the main character. There are people stronger than him. All the disciples have surpassed him. Maybe not Leona in a in an offensive sense, but like Hunkle definitely has, Mom definitely has, Pop and Die for sure are leagues and bounds stronger than than Avon. But Avon still has his uses. He's still wise. He's still their teacher. He still has plenty of tricks up his sleeve. That's who Avon is as a character. But he's a very different hero than Die. And that's another one of the themes. Dai always wanted to be this hero. His, the little lumpy sage grandpa he had on the monster island wanted him to be a mage and Dai had no real talent for magic. He does learn over time, but early in, he's not very good at it, but he wants to be a hero. He wants to fight with a sword. He wants to travel, you know? He wants to fight monsters and be heroic. So the story is him living that adventure and living into the destiny he's supposed to have. And, Avon is that example of a hero, not just for himself, but for the world of Dragon Quest. So when Avon is defeated by Hadler, who's suddenly returned more powerful than ever, it's like, well, what now? That was the hero. Dai now has to take that mantle on. Dai now has to become the hero, but he has to become the hero he has to be. He cannot be Avon. And that's one another point of the story that I think people are missing. Avon wouldn't make the same decisions Dai did, but also Avon had a lot more time to have experience than Dai did. Dai had to get put on the fast track because there was no fucking time for him to be properly, like, fully trained for a long period. And the reason why Dai was able to get ahead too is, you know, he had the, the spunk for it, you know, he, he put in the work. He's a Dragon Knight, so he has that natural strength pull that he still have to train and learn to tap into. So even though the story is a lot more faster paced because of those aspects, Dai still has to learn and grow as a person in a short period of time. At the end of the day, he's still 12 years old. So I think a lot of people expect him by the end of the story to be like this heroic giant of a character like Avon. And that's just not who he is. And that is okay. It's called Dragon Quest, the adventure of Dai. This is about him. And Avon knows that too. Avon understands that. He took the backseat. He let his disciples, you know, fight for themselves and get stronger for themselves without stepping in because he wanted what was best for them. He wanted to, to see them properly blossom into the heroes they now are. Like, look at the characters from the start of the story and look at them where they currently are as of episode 88 of the anime. You have Leona, who is like, you know, a princess. She's like, oh, I'm talented. I got these natural sage powers. But she was kind of like a damsel in distress. She still kind of is. But I see Leona as like the ultimate support character. Like this is how a support character should be. She's not supposed to be an offensive fighter. People are like, damn, Leona is so useless. Because she's not for action. She's for moral support. She's for, you know, strategy. She's Avon sees her as someone that can take on his role in terms of being like a teacher and a tactician in the background which is what leona has done several times she got all the world powers together 
to try to form an alliance and ban and stand against Hatler and uh, Lord Vern. So it's one of those things where it's just, she's living up to her own potential. Like at that point where Avon and her are dismantling the traps in the castle, Avon's like, I never really got time to actually be your teacher because Leona wanted Master Avon as a teacher too, but you know, things in the story happened and she never really got to. But he has faith in her that she can get the job done and he gives her the feathers he had, like the feathers that can rejuvenate magic power, that can rejuvenate stamina, and he can make all these special seals with them and block off attack. She entrusted her with most of those feathers because he's saying, this is the role you're going to take on. And a lot of people miss that too. That's another thing. People are like, God, I hate Leona. Why is she here? It's so unnecessary. She's there because she is that character. She's written to be a support character. Not because it's, oh, she's a girl. She has to be a support character. First of all, that argument is automatically contradicted by mom's presence. Mom is not a support character. Mom is the most aggressive fucking fighter in the team. She's a martial artist. She's throwing pure fucking hands on the battlefield. <laughs> so it's not because she's a girl. It's just because that's who Leona is. She's destined to be a ruler. She's a princess. She's going to rule. She has the strategy. She has plans in mind. She's putting in the work to be that person. And Avon sees that. That's why Avon's like, you can take this role on. You're going to lead them. So the scene where even though Dai does run back because it's within his nature, Leona does her best to tell Dai, hey, we got to go. We have to take on Vern. You're the only one that can do it. Have faith in your friends. And I know a lot of people are mad. It's like, damn, it just shows that Dai didn't have faith in his friends. It's not necessarily that. It's more so that Dai, it's his innocence again. You know what I mean? He wants to have faith in him. But the moment he heard them hurting and in pain, even though like he, knew, he, he had to go back and try to help them. And he does feel regret for those decisions, but at the end of the day, it's a 12 year old. You gotta let him learn. No matter how many times he falls down, he has to get back up. Like when he gets the double dragon quest, that thing he inherited uh, crest, not double dragon quest, double dragon crest. Uh, the, he inherited his father's dragon uh, crest. A lot of people thought that was weird. Like why is, why does he get these sudden magical circumstances? Because Dai is, is a unique character to that world. Normally what happens with Dragonites is uh, when they die, their essence is returned to, you know, the Dragon God, and then a new Dragonite is born with that same crest. So when you get that crest, you gain the knowledge, the battle strategy, all that stuff from the previous Dragon Knights on top of whatever skills and power you're going to gain. That's why the Dragon Knight is so feared because each generation that Dragonite is only getting more and more powerful. Throughout the story, Dai didn't have an inherited Dragon Quest crest. He was born with his own because a Dragonite had never had a child before. Baron was the first person to do that, to like meet somebody, fall in love, settle down with a child. And you know, his storyline is his storyline. So Dai had his own crest, but it was limited because he he's not a full-blooded dragon knight. He's part human, too. Uh, so when he inherits the dad's crest, because it's just like, the dragon god was like, I'm probably not gonna make any more dragon knights. 
it's it's like Baron's last gift to him. So now I now die for the first time is the first Dragonite to wield two crests, have all this wisdom and strategy and imbued in him, which is another reason why he has this great power boost that feels natural to like character progression. It doesn't feel like a sudden ass pull. It feels like, yes, he earned that. He inherited that gift through all his struggles. And now he's able to do things that he couldn't do before because he was limited by only being kind of like a half Dragon Knight. So it, it's, it's cool to see that. And it just it just flows with the story really well a lot of story beats in dragon quest are very like cliche and and very tropey because dragonite is our dragon quest is very uh cliche and tropey but i think the reason why dragon quest has been able to do kind of like that classic uh fantasy medieval like adventure over so many games and kind of have those same tropes and cliches is because the writing at its core is so strong for most of the Dragon Quest games and Dragon Quest die as a, as a series. Like they take those tropes and those concepts and ideas and they just write them so strong and ingrained in the series, you can't help but find them so endearing. There's a reason why Dragon Quest is the godfather of JRPGs. It is still gigantically popular in Japan to this day. It's because of that. It's because that grip it has on its audience. Because it's it's so... It has such a strong foundation. And they only build off of it and make it stronger. And the same goes for Dragon Quest Die. I think it's a brilliant way to adapt the video games into like a manga slash anime format. They did a fantastic job. The references to the monsters. To like class job changing. There's even like a thing where they get to like a castle early in the story. Uh, uh, early in the anime and they can't visit the king because it's nighttime the king is asleep <laughs> like you gotta wait until the morning so it, it's just a lot of those things and I, and I think it's fun and they have the HP the magic power and the different spells and all that like it's such a good adaptation and a lot of people want it to be this thing that it's not and it's supposed to be this story of hope and it's supposed to be like this it's supposed to be a classic adventure that's what Dragon Quest games always are it's supposed to have that classic adventure feel, like we're traveling, we're going on adventures, we're meeting strange monsters, different people, fighting the evil. But the characters are so well written, like even characters that, you know, redeem themselves. Crocodile is one of my favorite characters. He's like a sub main character. Crocodile is fantastic. Uncle Crocodile is my guy, bro. He's so dope and he doesn't, he's not the strongest. You know, he's not the best, but he's such a good backbone to the team and he has great moments. And no matter how many times he gets beaten down, he always just recovers, comes back. And it's like, if we got to fight, we got to fight. And I'm like, damn right, Crocodile, Damn fucking right. I love it, dude. You got characters like the, uh, the, the fucking, the chess pieces, the, the, uh, bleh, Hatler's Royal Guard they're supposed to be like these soulless pieces but the, because they were made with Hadler's life force in mind and imbued with them they have these hearts and personalities and they're unique and they have they want to protect Hadler you know because of instinct they were created from him and if Hadler's dies they also die but they also like care for him as they grow and like mainly him he uh the pawn the pawn's name is him the pawn piece so don't get it confused him is the first of the the royal guard we see and 
he's the only one to survive. All the other pieces die. You have like a God. I forget what the bishop was called because he's the first one to die. He he was not a faithful servant. But yeah, he gets killed. He gets split. Uh, you had Block, who was the the rook piece. He saves Hadler and the royal guard, all the homies, from annihilation by giving his life. And they even incorporate like chess techniques, which I think is cool. Like the chess pieces, they are represent how they kind of fight. And even like how Albinas is like the the leader of the pieces, like that work under Hatler. Him is like the first one in the battle because he's the pawn, so he's just out there throwing hands. Uh, Sigma, he's like a knight. He has a spear. The bishop's swift. It's it's stuff like that. The rook's really big. He's his name is Block. You know, shit like that. That's unique. And he uses a move called castling, which is an actual fucking thing in chess. <laughs> and then when Hadler dies and him can feel that all the other pieces are already dead but him is still holding on to life he like inherits Hadler's life force and he becomes one with that and so him is able to survive even though Hadler is gone and he becomes more powerful he actually has aura before the pawns don't have aura because they don't have life force they're not living beings they just have magic power and these strong orichalcum bodies but now he has life force. He's a living creature, and it's like a pawn getting promoted. And it's one of it's like the cool. It's like such cool concepts, but they like ingrain them. He it's ingrained in the writing, so it, it feels natural to the world and a cool idea. It just feels like it fits. And and then you got you get to keep him around, who's like arguably the the coolest of the Royal Guard, and it's the one you would want to stick around. I do love Albinus. Sigma was cool, I wish we got more time with him. Block went out like a boss. <laughs> like, uh, Bishop guy, boy, you was shady. You got, you got what you got. I'm sorry for that pause. <laughs> I had to take a swig. But, um, yeah, you gotta, you gotta look between Read between the lines, you know, look at what's being shown to you, like shown in front of you, and also look as to what that represents. What's that idea? Why is it being reflected here? And you can get all these themes and ideas and see what that represents and reflects on the story as an overall whole. Uh, one last thing I wanted to address, there's some other things too, but like the main things I wanted to do, you know, was mom dying, you know, his whole innocence thing. Uh, just those other small things I've been talking about through the story. Just all these details you could point out. I could talk about. I could talk on and on about this this series, bro. It's so good. It's so good. It's so. It's like classic shonen at its finest. That's that's always what I say. If somebody real quick wants to know about Dragon Quest Die, classic shonen at its absolute finest. This is this is such a well crafted shonen story. If you love shonen stories. Please watch Dragon Quest Die. Please read the manga for Dragon Quest Die. Uh, you can find it somewhere. <laughs> I'm not saying where you could read it online, but also uh, the English mangas are being released. Like I said, they bring out a volume every other month now. Uh, we're not getting a volume this month, so volume four will be coming out in September and we'll be rounding out the Disciples of Avon arc in December then with volume five, which I think is really cool. And I want to get like shelves for them so I can like 
put the books up on the shelves, but like in a way where I can put the covers together for like that combined cover art. That way they can be on display on my wall. And then over, you know, the course of the years when I get the other the other arcs, we can have like all those different cool like connecting covers. I think that's so like it's so cool. It's such a cool way to commemorate the series. But uh, the last thing I want to touch on is the comments about nobody dies in this show. Cap. Hella cap. Hella fucking cap. People die in this show a lot. I think this comment has only come up because some characters that we thought were dead have been revealed to, you know, still be alive. So I want to point out a lot of these, like, almost deaths. The only one I'll say is kind of like, huh. Okay, I'll give you that one, but you're on thin ice. Is Avon returning? Uh, that one, the reason for it, I think is strong enough. It's strong enough for me to buy. And also, that's such a powerful moment. <laughs> I think people were willing to, like, ignore that one, even if they weren't, like, super sold on how he barely survived uh, Megante, like the, the giant explosion spell he did. It's a good, it's a strong enough reason, and it calls back to his past and his youth in the past love interest he had and all of that. So I think it worked well in the storytelling standpoint, but it's because that information was suddenly brought in at that point that people were like weary of Avon at first. They thought he was shady and like actually a bad guy and that just wasn't the case. Um, but I think people were willing to let that slide is because Avon, even though he dies so early in the series, his impact on the main cast is so strong. They're called the disciples of Avon. They follow books, they follow ideals and things that he wrote down in the Book of Avon. It was like the legendary hero writing down his stuff. Hunkel learns spear techniques because Avon learns spear techniques and he becomes a spearsman with them. So he's able to do different techniques. He learns like that, that zero stance thing that Avon used when he fought Hadler. It's so cool while Dai takes the more like general hero approach Avon had with like the sword and the Avon strash and all of that good shit. Uh, so, so people were more really, and that moment is so powerful. The anime did a bang up fucking job with that Avon return because I remember that episode was about to show up. I think it was going to be the very next episode before it went on a hiatus or like it was like two more episodes before it went on a hiatus that that was going to happen. But no, I think it was the episode that was, that was coming, but it left the, the anime left on a cliffhanger because, uh, there was a toy animation hack. So they put all their, their series on like hiatus. So like Die was on a break. One Piece was on a break. Digimon Ghost Game was on a break. And I believe something else was on a break. But uh, for like almost a month, I want to say a little over a month, but then it came back and then they came back with that episode specifically. And I was like, holy shit, what a way to come back. And I knew people, I, I, I had read it months before. So I knew people were gonna lose their mind when Avon returned. <laughs> and he came back and everyone was like, holy fuck, it's Avon! And I was like, I told y'all, I told y'all y'all wasn't ready for this shit. It's, uh, it, it was great. It was fantastic. Uh, but yeah, I, Avon as a character is just so big, bigger than life, that people are just like, yeah, fuck that. Yeah, cool, I, I'm fine with that. Avon can come back. I think the problem came in when uh, Lionheart came back because if, if you don't remember who Lionheart is, he was one of the dragon riders that worked under Baron. So the last time we ever saw the dragon, the first time we see the dragon riders is at the start of like the second 
uh, portion of die. I, you could split die into four por portions every 25 episodes. You can tell because the opening and the ending will change. So like we're in the, the fourth portion, we're, we're in that home stretch of the fourth portion. The second portion started, the opening animations changed for the opening and we got a new ending, uh, ending song. And you could see the dragon riders in the opening and they were like Baron, they were under Baron. They didn't give a fuck about the dark army. They just worked for Baron because he was the dragon knight. And so we had that arc with Baron and the dragon riders and Pop was holding him off. Then Hunkel shows up and he fights one-on-one -on -one with Lanhart. And Lanhart is a fierce competitor, bro. He was a spearman. He had the dark armor companion to uh, Hunkel's dark armor sword at the time. He had the dark armor spear. And Hunkel barely manages to get a win on him. And all the dragon riders die. Uh, Pop kills the flying one. I forget, I forget the other two's names because they were only in that portion of the story and they, they die. So Pop kills that one, uh, the flying one, in in a dope fucking way. I, I might add, Kyunkel uh, kills the 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 C one, even when the the C one tries to come for a comeback, he still dies, and then he fights the land one as a uh, Pop goes back to help with die, and that fight is awesome. Landheart was was a baller. He was a beast. He was the strongest of the three and he was Hadler's most trusted uh, of the three. So they die. This one, people are like, what the fuck, dude? They're just gonna start bringing everyone back to life? This one, I think has a lot more grounding in the world of Dragon Quest because of the way Landheart came back. Uh, so they all died. We get to the part where uh, Baron's fighting Everyone at once. Dai doesn't have his memory. It's this portion of the story, and he's trying to take Dai back as his son, as Dino, you know, his birth name. And uh, Pop is willing to use Megante to destroy himself and Baron if it means Dai gets to be safe, which would be sad as shit if Pop, like, died right there, especially because uh, Baron manages to to take in the attack. And I think there's like a few circumstances where the, that make the attack unsuccessful, but pop still uses his life force, loses his life force. Die freaks out, gets his memory back, activates the dragon quest. They have the most baller dragon ball Z esque fight. They're flying through the air, punching the shit out of each other. It's epic. Um, but at the end of it all, uh, Baron pours uh, some dragon blood, I believe, into Pop's mouth directly. And the blood of a Dragonite is said to be able to revive somebody only if they have the will to come back, though. So it's not like a guarantee. It's established. It's not a guarantee, but it can revive them. And there was some afterlife stuff going on with Pop and uh, Gomei Chen. So all that together, it made sense why Pop was able to return to the living. He also wasn't dead for that long. Uh, also shout out to, to the story for having, uh, Zing <laughs> in the series. Zing is the revive spell, but it only has a 50% chance of being successful. So before that, Leona was trying to cast Zing on pop to revive him, but it wasn't successful because due to its low su success rate, but then the dragon blood br brings it back. So I was like, woo, pop came back and pop. Uh, came back stronger, even though he was kind of put it on a front. He was still injured. It did kind of power him up. So we already know that stuff is established. When Lanhart came back, 
he says the the way he came back was after Baron left the battlefield against him and died because he was like, this is the one time I'll just leave it be. And he gave Pop the dragon blood as a sign of respect because he was so willing to put himself on the line for die. And he, you know, the feelings and the emotion of the battle, he was like, all right, I'm gonna leave it alone. But next time we got to settle this. So Baron left. Apparently when Baron left, he went back to where the three dragon riders bodies were and took them and he put dragon blood on all three of them put them in coffins somewhere and put them safe and i believe you see where that is too later i can't rem i can't remember 100 percent uh i'd have to go back and read but it makes sense that landhart could come back because like i said he was the strongest of the three not only is it said that it's clearly shown he was the one that they had a t the toughest time fighting uh during that portion of the story and even Baron like suspected that, yeah, I used the blood on all three of you, but I think you're the only one that's probably gonna come back, which is what happened. And he left uh, Lenhart that note. And by that point, Baron had already passed away. He had already died protecting die from that, uh, that giant explosion. So it made, it makes sense. Like Lenhart was revived, but it makes sense why he was revived because it was already a thing that was properly established like way earlier in the series with pop it just made sense and it makes sense for his power boost too he's already naturally highly strong and talented and gifted as a warrior then he comes back also the dark armor spear had been improved so then he uses the dark armor spear again so now he has improved armor on top of that so it makes sense to me you know <laughs> Uh, they said, like, oh, they brought him back immediately. Him never died. Him never died. Never died. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> him fell off that, 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 that side of the palace and fell down, but he never died. Even when they showed what happened to him, he fell all the way down. He was dying. He was on the verge. But like I said, that stuff happened and he got promotion. He got infused with uh, Atler's life force and he got his pawn promotion. So he didn't die. Also, if you believed he died from falling off that castle side, you were so full of shit. <laughs> they, there's no way that's how they would kill him off after he started having this rivalry with Yunkle. Our, the bad boy of the squad is going to end his rivalry with this with one of the most popular Royal Guard characters by showing not showing their whole fight, just showing the conclusion of him getting stabbed off the fucking castle side. There's no way. When I read that, I was like, oh, he gonna come back. Him not done. <laughs> and he came back with the power boost. I didn't know how he's coming back, but he never died. So you could call it a fake out death, kind of, but it you could clearly see they, they weren't done with his story. So again, not a lot of people just came back from the dead. Like Pop technically did. I'll give it because he was technically dead for like a good few minutes. Uh, Landhart definitely came back from the dead, 100%. That's, like, the one, like, full-on, like, revival. Uh, Hatler came back several times, but he was able to... It was already established at the start due to him working directly under King Vern. So every time he was dying or near dead, he went back and they would regenerate his body and make him stronger. That's why when he returned the first time early in the story, he was stronger than Avon. Avon was out of practice and... He had Hadler himself had only gotten more powerful, and it, it's established in the story. That's how it worked for him. That's why he keeps keeps coming back from those near death experiences. So that was just Hadler's stick. 
so we're not even counting that you <laughs> like a lot of these things are very well explained and very well established like i said the only one you could kind of call bullshit on is is avon's but even then it's written into the story so well it's kind of hard to hate on that it was such a good return of avon i was like oh the boy is back he looked buffer he had like the the white get up he it was like the same kind of outfit he had at the start like the red clothes but they were white and he had a cape with it i was like god look my boy looks so fly i can't even hate on this nigga <laughs> avon is my guy and if you think avon is dead right now come on y'all <laughs> there's no way that's how they would kill avon off especially after him coming back being so hype there's no way that's how you kill him off I feel like in the manga, they made it more believable that he could have died right there than the anime. The anime really made it so that it was just like, ah, yeah, yeah, it's not over. <laughs> the anime really made it seem like that. Whereas in the manga, uh, the, the way it's done in the manga, I feel like makes it feel more like, oh shit, Avon might really be dead. Like it, it gives you more of that sense of like, damn, he might have not made it. Also, a lot of things with Miss Vern about like, or not Miss Vern, Kilvern, uh, and like the aspects of his character are hinted at when he has that uh, encounter with Baron and Baron like slices him in half and his little mage friend puts him back together with that magical sand. Uh, we're going to see more of that being referenced in part to how uh, Avon comes, uh, makes it out of that situation in that fight. You'll see. It'll pop up soon enough. But, um,. Yeah, like, I, the story does a good job at, like, the fake-out deaths. I feel like a lot of stories don't because they make it so definitive that a character, like, died. And it's just, like, either, like, haha, they barely made it at the last second. Which you could say with Avon's again, but like I said, it's written so well. And it's, like, the only one of its kind like that that I'm like, ah, I can let that slide. Uh, whereas with a story like Fairy Tale, and I, I happen to be a fan of Fairy Tale, I hate Fairy Tale's fake-out deaths because... If you want to talk about a series where no one ever dies, <laughs> fucking fairy tale. Now people die in fairy tale, but boy do they always make it out of almost being dead almost all the time. And it's not even the fact that no one dies in fairy tale, it's the fact that like they always make it like, oh that character's dead, and then two chapters later, psych they made it, bitch. They made it <laughs> from some bullshit ass reason. And that's the difference. I feel like Dragon Quest does a better job writing those those experiences and making them more like suspenseful and more impactful to like, oh, okay, I get it. The explanations are way better too. Like Lanhart was already established. Him didn't die. They never stated he was dead. So, you know, there's a lot of shit like that. But again, it's all in the context. Context and a story matters. You guys are pointing out these these things as situations in themselves and are calling them problems when it's like you're not taking into account everything around that one thing that makes it make sense in terms of being a part of the story and you guys have to take that all into account and at the end of the day if you take that all into account and still don't really like the way it's written that's fine but stop acting like oh this character died and then he came back and they didn't explain how they just kind of bullshitted it. That's not true. They explain it. Don't act like mom just treated pop like shit 
and said, no, I don't want to be your girlfriend, because that's not what happened. Don't make it seem like Dai is just an idiot who's always making bad decisions. Dai has made some great decisions. You know, it's all a part of his character. It's all in the context. I made a podcast episode on the 40 Ounce Fridays podcast way, way long ago about context mattering, like the fight between Deku and uh, Gentle and the Tagoro and Genkai moment when they were talking in the afterlife. Uh, it Context matters in a story. So stop taking these moments in a picture frame and saying this is what it was when you're missing so much extra built around that scene to make the scene have the meaning and the impact it's supposed to have. But anyway, I think I've rambled on long enough. I'm going to end it here. This episode will be coming out a little later. I'm going to edit it after I record tomorrow. So it'll go up probably around like 6 or 7 o'clock, I want to say. So sorry for the late upload. But there it is. And then, you know, get ready for the 40 Ounce Fridays podcast the week after, next Friday after this, as of this dropping. But as always, guys, thank you so much for the love and support. Thank you for listening listening to me uh, ramble on and on about Dragon Quest for like an hour. Uh, Dragon Quest Die is fantastic. Please watch it. Please read it. Uh, go ahead and play yourself some Dragon Quest Eleven: Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition. It is on the Switch. It is on Xbox's Game Pass. It's on the PlayStation 4. And it's on PC. Go ahead and pick it up. Go ahead and pick it up. <laughs> like, fantastic game fantastic game play yourselves get into the dragon quest world boy join me it's great out here but anywho i'm gonna head out uh much love guys thanks good night fool this man no! 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 No!